You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And we are here with the cutest one, and that is Katie Arroyo, (laughs) co-host of The Messy Show. Hi, Hi. Katie. I was fully like, don't say you're the cute one, don't say you're the cute (laughs) one, play it cool. We said it for you, we got you. (laughs) And this is so exciting because you and Donnie are sister wives, because Quinn is your work husband. So the tangled webs we weave. Bravo level (laughs) entanglement happening right now. Yeah, except we're not all fucking each other exactly <laughs> and hopefully um with less toxic fans okay moving on <laughs> so this week we are covering simply irresistible and i just want to say i don't think we've ever done this in the history of i am the cute one and we might never do it again we asked the cuties what movie they wanted us to cover and they picked this what they chose yeah <laughs> okay. people are sick sick okay. i I've seen, I thought, every rom-com. So I'm like, I'll definitely know whatever movie they're talking about, and I'll just rewatch it for fun. And then you sent it, and I was like, I think I like missed this movie. Hard to believe. And then I started watching it, and I was like, oh, I see why. <laughs> I feel like, number one, this is like the crustacean version of Practical Magic, which came out a year before. Yes. But I also feel like I got cursed by a magical sea animal because I didn't hate this movie. (laughs) I liked it, but I also have never had the experience of watching a movie that was only an hour and 35 minutes and really feeling like it was a four hour film. (laughs) I paused it. The movie was so short and I paused it. I was like, I have to take a break for a minute and like get water or something. I I just was like, I'm going to like, I don't know, clean the litter box. (laughs) Literally anything else. This was like Godfather 3 of rom-coms (laughs) or like any Lord of the Rings movie. I'm like, why is this so long? Famously, the first time that I watched Lord of the Rings, it was because I had pneumonia and bronchitis at the same time over New Year's. I was so sick. Donnie and I both hate going to the doctors. My husband like literally picked me up from my job at pre-COVID world where I'm like hacking up along, just working retail, like everything's fine. Like you do. He picked me up and just instead of driving me home, he drove me to urgent care. They gave me codeine and suspension, which they just don't do. So I guess that's how sick I was. But I was just like high as fuck watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. And when the fellowship forms, I was like, oh, thank God, this movie is almost over. And my husband was like, this movie is just beginning. And I was like, fuck, even high. I can't take it. Well, before Donnie takes the reins back, I feel like this is a good segue to another not simply irresistible topic. I have an official retraction to give. Now we know every week we just spew nonsense. I was very confident in our Jennifer's Body episode. I was what I thought, speaking from firsthand experience, as it turns out, when I confidently stated that Steve Buscemi was an Eastbound and Down, not only was he not in that show, but he was also not in any show that filmed where I went to school during the years I went to college. But I will say in 2001, he was shooting a movie there and he was stabbed with Vince Vaughn because they got into a bar fight. So like the details okay. were there just in true me fashion and my narcissist nature. I just put myself at the center of the story. That's nice. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of non-Simply Irresistible, I've never seen The Big Lebowski, but I feel like your outfit right now, you look like the guy from it. <laughs> 
don't love being compared to the dude, but you have definitely <laughs> called me worse, so I'm going to receive it as a compliment. He has a lot of charisma. <laughs> okay, good. See, I know nothing about him. I don't even know who he's played by. Donnie, I've never seen it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I have a very bad habit of not seeing like really famous movies, but I'll quote them. Oh You're going to fit right <laughs> in. Yeah. I want to set the scene for when Simply Irresistible came out. The movie premiered yeah. February 5th, 1999. Baby One More Time was the number one song in America. And at the box office, this movie, just kidding, <laughs> this movie was nowhere near the top. At the top of the box office was Patch Adams, Saving Private Ryan, and Stepmom. All good ones. Oh, those are good ones. So this movie came out and America was like, oh, we're actually doing hard feelings right now. Yeah, we don't give a fuck about crabs. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think, and this is kind of jumping ahead a bit, do you think the crab was the dead mom? Now I have to (laughs) rewatch this with a different lens. (laughs) I mean, I don't think so, but speaking of hard feelings. And then on Broadway, because Chelsea doesn't care, so I have to educate her where I can, you're a good man Charlie Brown starring Kristen Chenoweth came out. Since this is a movie about food and like making food, I want to talk about my history with the Food Network. I don't really have one, (laughs) but in 1999 Jamie Oliver had a show called The Naked Chef and that is truly all I remember. I would watch it every week with my best friend like on the phone. I don't think he was naked, but I have a memory of Jamie Oliver The Naked Chef. Mm, That's nice. I love food shows. I learned how to cook from a lot of food shows growing up. So it is like soothing for me to watch people cut vegetables and that kind of crap. (laughs) And I love like chopped where they have something crazy and I'm like, ooh, what are they going to (laughs) use? I never watched the Food Network, which shows in my inability to cook. I am more, if I'm going to go into the like food industry genre, I'm more of like a bar rescue, a Hell's Kitchen. Mm. There's a famous bar rescue episode where they make over this pirate bar. It's also where we took my brother for his 22nd birthday. They would like light rum shots on fire and shit. They did it wrong. It burned his esophagus. (laughs) He's okay, but still to this day cannot drink rum. The bartender was bullying us into buying him shots. We spent so much money getting this bartender drunk. Everybody was so mean and sloppy. My brother burned his esophagus. It was a whole thing. The next day, we're in my parents' basement, hungover as fuck, watching Bar Rescue, and all of a sudden, it's the pirate bar that we were just at. And at the very end of the episode, the Chiron comes up and is like, they declined all of our advice and went right back to what they were doing before. And I was like, noted, <laughs> this bar was not rescued. Actually, we needed wow. to be rescued from it. Oh, my it. God. Yeah. Was it really wow. the same bar or is it like Steve Buscemi Did Steve Buscemi show up and he burned my brother's <laughs> esophagus? <laughs> so we don't have Chelsea in a pirate costume, but we do have her dressed as the dude. If you yeah. want to see that, go to patreon.com slash I am the cute. Nope. Yeah. Patreon.com slash I am the cute one for bloopers like I just did or to see Chelsea in costume. Her little dude outfit, guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the dude wears. <laughs> Some awesome background information for the movie. It was directed by Mark. Mark Tarlov, who also directed Temptation, which was a movie musical from 2004 starring Zoe Saldana that I've never heard of. So already we're off to a good start. Yeah, that's going to be the next one, the cuties request. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) It was written by the director's wife. So this is our first husband-wife duo 
and maybe they should, I don't know, go to couples counseling or something. Well, clearly their relationship was mirrored in this movie of just a woman and man who should not be working together. Truly. And in a shock to no one, this is the only movie that this woman has ever wrote. Okay. This is her life's work. Yeah. The budget for this movie. $8. This is by far the worst performing movie we've ever covered. It cost six million dollars to make. Whoever was working that little crab puppet got paid real nicely. I would like to make this part into a game and you two guess how much it made worldwide. Okay. Okay. I don't think it broke even. I can't okay. imagine. But then there were so many people that said they loved this movie. I'm going to say it made $12 million. Okay. I feel like your cuties probably watched it on like an illegal copy <laughs> in their friend's basement. And that's why they are emotionally attached to this movie, mm. which I get. Uh-huh. So I want to guess that the movie made like $12. <laughs> I've never heard of this movie, and I was obsessed with this type of movie. So I feel like it made like five point four million. Like Ooh. I feel like something crazy. Wow. Katie, subtract a million, and we've got the answer. Oh my 4. god! 4.4 million. 4. 4. Oh my god! That's oh my crazy. Gosh. Katie knew she hadn't even wow. pretended to watch this movie before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow. And you know he wasn't paying his wife anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> also insane is this is the last movie that Gene Siskel ever reviewed. This was the last movie he reviewed before he died. <laughs> Do you think that's what killed him? I think, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What did he say about it? He gave it a thumbs down okay. and then passed away. His reviewing partner, Roger Ebert, you know, Siskel and Ebert. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert, who tears apart everything we cover on this podcast, he gave it three out of four stars and said it's old-fashioned and obvious yes like a featherweight comedy from the 1960s but that's the charm he was feeling emotional after the passing oh i wonder yeah yeah. okay so there's two taglines for this movie so i'm gonna play fuck mary kill with them so i'll name the taglines and then you just pick one of those three things to do to it the first tagline is a bewitching romance I'm going to fuck it. Short and sweet, <laughs> bewitching, romance. What more does a gal need? Okay. You know? I was like, kill it, because you would trick me into watching it after I saw Practical Magic. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And the second one is, magic opened up their hearts, love did the rest. I think that man's wife wrote that one. <laughs> I want to kill that one more. <laughs> nope, you already said kill. Yeah, you can kill both oh, of them. I'll unhappily marry that one. Yeah, okay. I'm killing the fuck out of that one. <laughs> oh, I thought that one was cute. It reminds me of, let my love help. Been the dog. You yeah, know it was thing. cute, but then it just makes me mad. <laughs> Both things can be true. A little bit of trivia, and then we really will start to talk about the movie, okay. I promise. Sarah Michelle Geller stated in interviews that this is the least favorite movie of hers that she's ever made. Yeah, because I feel like in the same year, didn't you do I Know What You Did Last Summer? I think she just did Cruel Intentions oh, as well. Then, yeah. yeah. I watched that, and I was like, oh, she signed the contract for this before she did those other movies. I didn't check the exact timeline, but I feel like she got that part and then she like couldn't back out even though yeah. she had the other movies because this was the cruel intentions haircut yeah this movie was just riding the wave of the witchiness of the 90s yes. because mm-hmm. it had all of the parts like it had the charmed wardrobe it had mm-hmm. the practical magic woman vibe. coming into her power yeah it had whatever. everything there it was just too much and not enough yeah. yeah the director wanted Sarah Jessica Parker as the lead but due to the success of Buffy the studio pushed for Sarah Michelle Gellar to start Oh. Instead. You know what? This is very weird because Sarah Michelle Geller in 
Cruel Intentions is this powerful being where you were like, holy shit, she commands yeah. the screen when she's on it. And whoever this version of her, I was like, I hate this woman. Like, yeah, she looks like she can't cook because she has no personality. Whereas like Sarah Jessica Parker, I'm like, I could see her like, yeah. she just sucks, but I could see her like trying or something. I don't know. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar and like everything else she's ever done. And I'm like, that's a testament to how bad the writing was. And I'm like, you're making me not like someone who is so powerful in every other role that they play. (laughs) Maybe Sarah Jessica Parker could have brought some comedy to it. of Like, I'm trying my best, but I'm quirky in the kitchen. But it just kind of seems like Sarah Michelle Gellar, the way she played it was like she was just this entitled brat who had inherited this restaurant and like never cared to put in the effort to go to culinary school. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. What character, if any, do you identify as? I identify as Lois. Tom's assistant because (laughs) she's not very good at her job and basically the only thing she wants to do is be horny and eat and judge (laughs) she's really good at judging people I think I'm the crab like what am I doing here no one really knows but I'm not leaving (laughs) you know I'm important but I don't know why (laughs) Um, I identify as Tom's first girlfriend where I was like I'm gonna lose my mind if this dinner sucks So now we'll put one minute on the clock. Take it away. Okay. This movie is about a woman who inherits her mother's restaurant and then absolutely refuses to do anything to improve her cooking skills, even including hiring another person to cook for her. (laughs) (laughs) And the only thing she will do is just continue making shitty food and then go, oh, my God, I don't know why nobody's eating my shitty food. And then a crab arrives and it teaches her how to read a cookbook and suddenly she can make amazing dishes like serving an entire intact apple as a dessert. (laughs) Oh, also, this bitch fucking gets culinary skills that could save her mother's restaurant and she decides to utilize them to help an unimpressed white rich man. That's it. That is it. Yeah. I'm like, I have feelings about this movie. We don't even go back to the mother's restaurant. Amanda Shelton is shopping for ingredients for her dead mother's failing restaurant. And before a single line is even spoken, I knew why this movie made $4.4 million. (laughs) And let me tell you. Okay, go. Sarah Michelle Gellar has a short red haircut. This is not the Sarah Michelle Gellar anybody signed up for. I know it's exactly, literally the exact same haircut as Cruel Intentions, but there's something in her presence that makes it seem darker in Cruel Intentions. Simply Irresistible is the lack of highlights. Like, I was like, oh, she didn't have money to pay for highlights yet. That $6 million budget wasn't going to hair and makeup, certainly. The negative $2 million they made did not allow for a professional hairstylist. So I think they were just like, can you do a nice 
please blow out at the dry bar and then come by? And I know we've been <laughs> yucking a lot of yums of this poor writer who clearly this was her passion project. This was her life's work. But I realize what it is. It's like a fanfic. It's yes. like how Fifty Shades of Grey came from a fanfic of Twilight. This was a fanfic of all of the witch movies because we literally start out in the practical magic farmer's market. Marketplace, yes. yeah. Yeah, because here's the crazy part. Like, the whole story is very cool. Like, I would love to see that movie made with that storyline. Like, that writer should just, like, sell that story to someone. Katie, I'm going to stop you right here. What part is cool to you? The idea of, like, (laughs) she has to honor her family tradition, but she does not have the capability of it. And then something magical comes along. No, I love this movie. I've talked a lot of shit. I'm going to continue <laughs> to do so. You know, I will never be smirch fully a movie about witches. Same. I don't know if she was a witch because, again, character development. Was she magic? <laughs> was it the crab? Was it the earrings? No yes. one knows. But the magic was really fucking cool in this movie. I yeah. loved watching what would happen when the people ate her food because it took me mm. a minute to figure it out. And that could be because I'm dumb or it could be because this movie's dumb or it could be both. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> My mix. confusion was caused by unmedicated ADHD, where I was like, <laughs> I, like at one point I wrote, it's a truth crab. <laughs> because I was like, oh, it's making her tell the truth. And then I was like, oh, no, it's yeah. not. Thank okay, you, Adderall on. shortage. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. must have been when you cleaned the litter box. <laughs> yeah. Amanda is shopping at this farmer's market when she meets Jean O'Reilly, a weird, obviously magic, possibly gay, or vice versa, yeah. obviously gay, possibly magic, <laughs> man who claims to be a friend of her dead mother, and he's Tells her some crabs. Now, during this first scene, did you know how important this crab would be? I did just because I had seen the synopsis that you sent me and I had already screamed. I didn't know how it was going to be important. And Mm. I still don't really know how it was important. I know that it had to be on that shelf. (laughs) I don't know much else. Yeah. And I also, from a movie making perspective, like when you're storyboarding, I... I was like, oh, this is an interesting point. We're we're just going to start with the resolution of the conflict without any conflict. Yeah. I would think that if I was writing this movie, my opening scene would be her exasperated that she fucked up another recipe. Mm-hmm. And her mom's friends would be like, it's okay, honey, but we got to close this restaurant. And she would be like, no, I have to try like one more thing. I'm yeah. gonna, we're going to have this dinner special. And then that dinner special blows. You don't even need to show me yeah. the dinner special. You show the aftermath of the dinner special. Right. And then the next day, she's dejected in the farmer's market. Instead, she's wearing wedges. Like, this girl is unbothered. Like, she is just like, here I am. I'm going to fuck up more produce. She didn't even have the go-getter attitude to buy an apron or a hairnet throughout this whole movie. Like, that's how low the stakes were to her, that she's like, it's not going to get in the way of my 90s wardrobe. She's like, I'm not even going to do a ponytail. It's like she worked in the kitchen at High School Musical (laughs) 2. But speaking of bad writing, how old was her mother? Because Sarah Michelle Gellar mentions that they had the restaurant for 70 years. I can't figure out how old she was supposed to be and how old the mom was supposed to be. Well, then I was like, maybe it's been in her family for generations. Mm. In which case I was like, Maybe give one fuck 
Like, I was like, if it's been in your family for that long. But I don't think it was because they only refer to it as the mother's restaurant. And then I was like, well, maybe the mom is a witch. Maybe she lived to be 106. But we never got any, like, resolution. Did we even see Gene O'Malley or whoever again? Oh, we did. You missed them. So that means I I can point them out. And I will just say, ladies, if you're listening, if somebody says, take my crabs, you're going to be paying a lot more than $59. (laughs) Even if they say they're friends with your mother <laughs> especially if they say that so, when the crab gets loose from its basket amanda crawls through the streets of new york yeah. first of all you're disgusting to catch it and then follows it right up the pants of tom yes. bartlett a high-end department store manager who not only is opening an expensive ambitious four-star restaurant in his store but also somehow has enough free time for a paper airplane hobby and to make graphs about when mm-hmm. his dating life goes south I know Amanda's job is going down the toilet. I want to know how his is (laughs) successful because he is spending too much time on things that don't matter. I made up a backstory of my own. Oh, wow. Okay. His father had a multi-conglomerate business also 70 years in the making and he just has a lot of money. So he's actually slowly burning through his dad's money right now. Also unbothered. That explains the paper airplane hobby. And yes. the floors that he purchased for that yes. restaurant. Yes. That's a man who has never had to work a day in his life. No, he never even played The Sims. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, do you want to talk shit on Tom? I just assume. Oh, he's awful. Awful. Okay. Three date rule. Shut the fuck up, Tom. Maybe these yeah. women don't want to date you. Again, I would have liked to see more specifically why his first girlfriend hated his guts before she had that magical mm-hmm. souffle or whatever because I liked the fact that she was like, oh, I'm better than you. I'm like, yeah, you are better than him, but I would have liked yeah. to see like all the ways specifically he sucked beforehand mm-hmm. that she was like ignoring or like pretending not to see. And I thought we would. Yeah. I know this was 1999, so maybe she wasn't as big of a star then as I rewrote history and thought she was. But this was Amanda Pete, so yeah. I thought like she would have had a bigger part. Me too. But then I was like, maybe this was before Jack and yeah. Jill or something because yeah. I was like ooh I'm happy to see her and then I was like oh bye <laughs> see ya like, <laughs> but it's no surprise that Amanda's restaurant is closing there's only three returning customers that only go because they pity her and it is common knowledge that she can't cook for shit the only recipe that we see her working on tastes and they say this tastes like blue cheese and dirt to which she responds and says the only thing that tastes worse than blue cheese and dirt and then her and her fucking sous chef at the same time say is rum raisin. And I am goddamn sick of this slander. <laughs> is my favorite ice cream. Oh. I've never had it. Rum raisin's like not a part of my life. Because we're not 84. <laughs> it's fine if it is not in your life. If you don't eat it, if you don't know what it tastes like, it tastes exactly what you'd think it's rum raisin. But so better than blue cheese and dirt. <laughs> yeah, when people go out of their way to come for me liking it, that's when I have an Mine issue. is more of like a, a, a more passive burn. Like I'm like Mariah Carey. I'm like, mm, I don't know her. Like mm. I've eaten breakfast at um, 6 a.m. at a diner. So like, I don't know. Or I haven't had a 4 p.m. dinner. So I don't know what rum raisin tastes like. <laughs> I stay at your house, Katie. I'll bring a pint of rum raisin. I'll eat it, I'm sure. I like that you're not going to introduce me to rum raisin, though. You're just Katie. I'll introduce you to anthrax. Can we talk about she did that recipe, which you're right, is the only time we see her yeah. trying a recipe. I'm like, good yeah. God, you're literally not even fucking trying. Yeah. But then she served it. She served it. I watched her carry the plate that she knows tastes like shit yes. out. 
And again, completely unbothered. And I was like, oh, this woman is going to vote for Trump in 20 years. Like, I watched that and I was like, yep, you're the problem. Like, she was just like, oh, it does taste like dog shit. Here you go. Like, I was like, at least be embarrassed. Like, I would be ashamed. I've had this business for 70 years. And maybe it would have, like, been a character flaw and show she's not honest or whatever. But I would have loved to see her order from another restaurant and just unplate it and put it on a plate. I would have loved that. That shows Initiative. Yeah. That's trying. That's a woman who can think outside the box. That's an entrepreneurial spirit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I would respect that. I've straight up been banned from cooking in our house. Like, (laughs) after the fateful day that I asked my husband if he wanted his chicken medium or well done, (laughs) that was the last for me. That was a wrap. So, Tom is headed to lunch to break up with Chris, Amanda Pete, his girlfriend of three dates, when he sees Amanda. Sarah Michelle Gellar, not Amanda Pete, outside of her restaurant and decides to go there instead. So even though she cooks worse than a toddler making breakfast in bed on Mother's Day, she wants to impress him and cook up the very crab that bit him. And this is when things truly take a turn because the crab from earlier escapes yet again as Amanda puts on her mother's earrings and begins cooking. With no recipe. Or gloves. At one point, her sous chef is like, well, you better go upstairs and find your mom's recipes. Why? Why was that not already something that you're accessing? You have a whole thing of your mom's recipes, and there's somewhere upstairs that you can't find. And also, you just served blue cheese and dirt, and you still are like, oh, yeah, I'll make you something. Come on in. (laughs) She was completely like, no stress, like... And I know that's the script, too, but, like, she's completely unbothered through this entire movie. And I was just like, your family's legacy is on the line. And you're just like, yeah, I can do that. Like, sure, of course I can. I know what it's (laughs) like to have delusions of grandeur and confidence when you absolutely should not have some, like, Hello. <laughs> However, there's a difference between having imposter syndrome and just being a fucking imposter. And this woman <laughs> yeah. is literally just like, yeah, come on in. And I'd like to yeah. say once again, Chris, the girlfriend, not the bad guy. No. I don't think there's anything wrong with Tom's girlfriend wanting to take a look at the menu before going into a restaurant that she has literally just learned has closed <laughs> because nobody right. wants to go to it. I yeah. agree. And I am not a great cook either. Like Quinn always says that I am like a t- toddler cooking <laughs> breakfast in bed on Mother's Day because it doesn't matter if it's HelloFresh or breakfast with just eggs and bacon or what. There is like flour all over the kitchen, all over me. I can't wash the dishes without having to change afterwards because there's <laughs> yeah. water from neck to taint. So I am messy and I understand. But like at least Hello Fresh or a recipe book or whatever, you can follow along. And even if you make a mess or even if you burn something, you're still like semi there. But her cooking blue cheese and dirt and then we find out she just wings it every time like maybe that's why your restaurant is failing because you don't know what the fuck you are doing again i think the idea is really fun like if she was exasperated every time the recipe failed and then he shows up it would have been funnier if he was kind of like oh i dare you to try to make me this meal and then she was like oh okay and then she's like running around yeah i need ugly betty energy from her yes he was just like yeah come on in bitch i'll get you a fucking crab something and you're (laughs) Like, how? You couldn't make grilled cheese five minutes ago. Or if it was like she had been trying to go step by step with all of her mom's recipes. She was getting stressed. She was going line by line. And then the magic. 
magic was that she realized like she was a chef all along and all she needed yes. to do was like follow her intuition. All of those would be yes. good ideas. Instead, what happens is <laughs> she cooks his date's food. As she's doing it, she angrily curses her out. She's like, she's got a big nose. Her feet are wonky. Her eyes yes. looks like it's made of glass, all this stuff. And then when she's cooking his food, she's practically just like fingering herself back there in the kitchen. That's a special yeah. sauce. <laughs> it's a cream sauce. <laughs> So then when the people eat it, these feelings are transported to the food and then to the people who eat it. So Chris immediately breaks up with him because she's yelling out all the things wrong with him. And Tom moans as he deep throats his lunch. And Mm -hmm. I would like to take this time to rant about foodies because throughout this movie, Tom repeatedly is like dry humping the air and moaning Mm -hmm. every time he eats her food. But I've been around people who are like this without a magic crab around. Like, just (laughs) shut up and eat your food. I don't need a play-by-play. I don't need to like hear about how it's like dancing on your taste buds. And this could be just bitterness, which is ironic because apparently that's a flavor I cannot taste. I've been told I don't have taste buds because I basically have the palate of like a eight-year-old. Like I like salty and spicy and sour and hot pockets. And medium rare chicken. (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by ZocDoc. We've all been there. You've been stewing about a health problem you have. You've almost resorted to texting your group chat to get your friends' opinions. And then you remember, you are extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in a group chat. Speaking from experience, you're even more unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat if that group chat involves one Donnie Hadfield-Smith. But you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend, but give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. So no more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com dot com slash cute and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash cute. ZocDoc dot com slash cute. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. 
But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Whenever I'm around people who are just like coming on their plate because of how good the food is, I'm like, get a room. I'm like, yes, which room? Because I'm doing a shoulder shimmy. I do it occasionally. I don't do it with all food. But I'm just dramatic about everything. When I was buying clothes to go to college, my mom was like, you have $500, whatever, at Express, whatever you want. So then I went over budget. Like I had already spent my 500 and then I tried on a jacket and a sweater combo. And then Mm. I started crying. I was like, mom, this is the best I've ever loved. (laughs) Then she let me go over budget. But like sometimes, yes, that energy does go to food. Like for my birthday this year, we went to Burger and Lobster and I told Quinn, this was the best dessert that has ever touched my lips speaking of foodies and i was having a pink cake pot from starbucks (laughs) (laughs) oh how exotic exactly um it it was dancing on my tongue but i took a bite into it and i went "Mm." and i was thought about by myself and then i heard josh behind me go i knew she was gonna do that (laughs) he was like talking to his friend and i was like they're just really good (laughs) see i don't mind when it's just an expression of joy i really like when people are just like fully enjoying themselves in that way it's more more so when you're trying to educate me and you're just mm. being a pompous asshole about it. Like, I don't mind yeah. a shoulder shimmy or a breakdown <laughs> in the express right, right, right. dressing room. Like, feel your feelings. <laughs> that's important. But just, you're not better than me, you know? Yeah. I agree with you, Chelsea. I get now it. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I'm having a meal, unless you made it, you don't need to tell me what's yes. in it. Mm. Like, I don't need to hear whatever fact you think you have about it. Just shut up so I can do my shoulder shimmy in peace. Mm-hmm. And then we can all enjoy this food quietly. Yeah, you don't have a food podcast. <laughs> exactly. Shut up. <laughs> so Tom invites Amanda to Bendel's where he lets her pick her new plate that Chris broke. But she's nervous to go because her sous chef, Nolan, informs her that men think about sex 238 times a day. Now, I did the math. I wake up around 8 a.m. and go to bed (laughs) at around 11. So that is 15 
or so hours awake. And 15 times 60 is 900 divided by 238 is every four minutes. Now, I can only speak for myself, but instead of every four minutes, I think it's every seven. And yes, we've been on here for 50 minutes now. So that's approximately eight times I've thought about sex already, but. That's for you to decide when. We did when. have the hump in the food. Yeah, exactly. The cream gin. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings conversation. <laughs> this is a lot of sexy topics. Now, Katie, I know you wanted to talk about Nolan in the scene with the dolls. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I... What? <laughs> Josh informed me of... Um, it, it's a phrase. The cliff notes on it are basically... It's a phrase that this podcast calls, like, no homo, where they make a man announce that he's hetero, and it has uh, nothing to do with the movie. Is Nolan straight? Yeah. Yes, and they had a no homo moment. I thought that they were trying to sneak a gay character in in the 90s, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, this is irresistible. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> otherwise, what is the point of this scene, which, um, cuties, if you haven't seen the movie, Amanda has Nolan come up to her room, and before they even enter the room, this is like a practice that they have. She turns around and goes, don't mess with the dolls. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then he picks two dolls up and makes them make out two female dolls like I did in eighth grade. Like, that was by energy, Nolan. And... He just like makes them make out for no, and then it serves no purpose in the it's movie. Like, kiss, yeah, truly. I felt like it was like Requiem for a Dream. Like he was like butt to butt, and then <laughs> have you seen that like, movie, Katie? This is an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> it was just such a strange choice because it's like, so you're gonna take the dating advice from the straight man, yeah, yeah. who's making dolls kiss. Yeah. Who you know so well that you had to give the prerequisite warning of please yeah. don't, don't touch, touch my doll. dolls. <laughs> what else has this man done to these dolls? My God. Exactly. And also, Amanda, why do you have dolls? How old are you? This restaurant is 70 years old. Why do you still have dolls in your room? A haunted doll could have been another storyline that made more sense than a crab. And yet. It was <laughs> like we could have used any of those minutes for Amanda and Tom to just have a conversation or character <laughs> development would have been nice in any of those minutes as well. Yeah. yeah. But buying plates naturally leads to talking about sex and paper airplanes. And when they eat the eclairs that Amanda baked, they dance with a imaginary back. Amanda band. is a hustler because there is no <laughs> way that Chris and her little temper tantrum broke 24 plates. I also, know. we know all of the plates at this restaurant are already mismatched. So she clearly doesn't need sets and yet mm-hmm. she shows up unannounced he's like oh i was just gonna like write you a check and she's like no this really fancy expensive department store we're gonna go shopping now i'll take this set and this set and this set she gets three different sets yeah. of eight that is wild i kind of love that I and mean, i would do it also again the confidence you are only serving three humans a day, and you're like, I need three sets of dishes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, she's manifesting, I guess. I kind of love the energy. I do, too. And it starts working, because Amanda starts throwing down in the kitchen, and soon all of New York is orgasming with every bite. Besides the restaurant finding success, Tom becomes obsessed with her eclairs, and that's not a euphemism. Maybe it is. I don't know. And that's a new time I just thought about sex. <laughs> However, Tom draws the line when they begin to literally float after they kiss. For good reason, Tom accuses Amanda of being a witch and ends things with her immediately. Okay, but is she a witch? Like, 
I want to stress again, I know I'm dumb, but if I hadn't read that synopsis beforehand, I don't think I would have thought the crab was magic. I know the IMDb thing says that, but I don't think the crab is magic. Honestly, like maybe it's magic, maybe it's Molly. Mm. Because every person who is eating this food is like, oh my God, have you felt the carpet? It's amazing. Oh, I've never sat in a more comfortable chair. Let's fuck now. thought it was a disco biscuits concert okay yes number one how does the crab get on the shelf like did she set it on the shelf or was it a little mermaid sebastian the crab situation where just like it kind of wandered off i think it wanders and i want to know how much do you think the crab was in the script versus directing choice because there's one scene where it's watching them literally wearing a piece of lettuce as a hat (laughs) and like do you think the script said that i like to think that when she wrote the script it was like a Where's Waldo? We're like, if we go back, the crab is in every single scene. We just have to find him. So I asked the cuties, speaking of him breaking up with her for being a witch, I asked the cuties for the pettiest reasons they've been broken up with Mm. or that they've broken up with someone else. And ask and you shall receive because they are very petty and very small. Number one, he was allergic to mint. I love mint. (laughs) He's going to have bad breath. Like that's a commitment to bad breath. He broke up with me because I didn't have a dog. Neither did he, though. Oh, oh my God. That's truly, it's you, not me. (laughs) I respect that. I know. I love that, like, he's not going to have the commitment of a dog, but he'd really like to have a dog in his life. (laughs) Yeah, I want one near me. (laughs) He wore flip-flops to the movies. I ended it mid-movie because it was bothering me so much. Uh Yeah. We slept together the first night, and then I ghosted him because he said he loved me. I don't think that's Mm. petty. I think you dodged a bullet there. Yeah, Yeah. that was the crazy. Two more. He had like 10 different tattoos of naked women on his arms. Didn't know at first. Tats are great. Not his. (laughs) (laughs) 10 is a lot. Like even one naked lady. And then are they just generic naked ladies? Are they Oh my God. Yeah, like his mom. (laughs) And then I, you know what, Donnie? I thought that and I go, ew, don't say that, Katie. That's gross. Another time Donnie thought about sex. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good one. Last one. I didn't like that his pupils were small. <laughs> Maybe it's Molly. <laughs> Before we move on, really, really quick. I don't understand in movies and TV when people don't want to date witches. Yeah. Like, yes, you don't necessarily have control of yourself and your thoughts. You could be under a spell at any moment. But, like, think about the times when you're not possibly under the spell. Think about everything she can do for you. Mm-hmm. Get over it, Tom. I've been watching Bewitched, in case you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think maybe it's a trope of like men don't like to be out of control oh, in a relationship. That's beautiful. And that's deep. the witch movie I'm going to write after this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Love that. It would probably flop, but it would mean you guys something. would like it. <laughs> yeah, we would watch it. And I don't mean you're not talented. I just no, mean, no, you know, I... <laughs> men control Hollywood. <laughs> My pussy hat. I yeah. know one director who would make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sir, lucky three. <laughs> Well, maybe that is the message. Maybe we've been too shallow. Maybe the message of this movie is just the power of manifestation and her delusions of grandeur is actually her magic of her womanly confidence and power, you know? Maybe. I thought the message was work really hard for your goals and then completely drop them and use all of your hard work to advance a man. (laughs) That's what I did on this podcast. (laughs) 
And Donnie's like, and I'm not in control. <laughs> sure I'm not. I'll throw a paper airplane at your head. Yeah. So when the chef at Bendel's quits, the owner hires Amanda, much to Tom's horror. And the day of the grand opening, Amanda forgets her mother's earrings, but Nolan insists she can cook because she believes in herself, not because of those ugly earrings. And mm. that turns out to be true, I guess. The earrings were for goddamn no reason at all. <laughs> but then... Uh, I know this podcast is going to take eight hours, and I apologize in advance uh, to you and the cuties. How does she deter? She's dragging that crab around. Like, is it a trifecta? Like, she's like, I need both earrings and my crab. And is she planning on cooking it at exactly. some point? Like, no. How many weeks has this crab been alive? Is it a pet now? Right? I think it is. Originally, yeah. it was supposed to be, like, the main ingredient. But now yeah. she, it's a good luck charm. It's nice. Right, that's it. Go ahead. No, it's fine. <laughs> but luckily, yeah, she brought the crab with her, which, movie aside, is insane behavior. <laughs> yes. Because imagine working at that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. You have, like, a Michelin star chef, and they leave, and this lady comes in with, like, a butterfly clip and, like, a silky camisole and a crab. Who, like, doesn't know to give her sous chef instructions. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're all standing there, and she's like, what? Why are you looking at me? It's like, well, number one, can we talk about your pet crab? He's wearing a lettuce hat. I'm a little concerned. And number two, are you going to tell me what to do, bitch? Right. Yeah. This is an Amelia Bedelia book, I think. <laughs> I feel we like found that. out the inspiration for the writer. <laughs> Amanda doesn't believe in herself. And when she's cooking, she starts to cry in the food. And as you guessed it, it's not long before the restaurant guests are also sobbing into their plates. But yeah. if I was one of the guests, I would tip three million percent because I love to cry. <laughs> Keep this restaurant open forever. It's nice sometimes. You're like, I don't have money for a therapy copay. I'll just cry. I'll go to this restaurant and have food. I have money for cheese. At therapy, I feel like I wasted a week if I don't sob. Every single week, I love to cry. I hate crying. Really? But you do it often. I didn't. Until I had kids, I never cried. And then something broke. Many things broke inside (laughs) me when I had children. But now I cry a lot. And it's it's still a very uncomfortable feeling for me. Mm. I haven't, like, accepted it as part of my life. Right now, it's still the crab scurrying away. I haven't put the lettuce oh. hat on my crying okay. crab yet. Well, maybe it's time. I guess I should clarify. I love crying in therapy. Oh. Like, my boyfriend went to go see a therapist. He goes, well, like, what are we going to talk about? And I go, oh, don't even worry about it. Like, your first appointment's just a cry appointment. And he was like, what? And I go, yeah, you just, like, sit down and cry. And he was like, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, I go, have you just like not even cried once? And I go, I don't think you're doing it right. Like, I was like, mine is like literally, I was like paid the copay and then I just started crying. And I was like, ah, oh, I guess I needed that. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> so helpful. Thank Wait, you. I do know that you specified, Katie, that you like to cry in therapy. I want to specify, I just like to cry <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I don't like to give up that control. I'm Tom in every other aspect. Mm. I am a nightmare therapy client because I'm going, it's hard to believe, I know, because I am such a monster, but I'm going to therapy for my like people pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. And I will literally sit there with my therapist and be like, I'm good, but like, how are you? And she's like, do you not see what's fucking happening here? That's really funny. Uh, see, that's why I had to change therapists. The first therapist I ever had, I did the same thing. Oh. And I was like, mm-hmm. how are you? And he would tell me. Oh. And then Quinn had to tell me like oh that's God. not normal that's a bad therapist yeah i was like his wife's having a baby and he said that maybe <laughs> me and you should try this as a date because that was their first date and oh, they did yeah. and he was like no you shouldn't know yeah any my therapist that. is like yeah. bitch shut up tell me about you and i'm like yeah. thank you sorry <laughs> sorry 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 to make your job harder i went to one appointment the, it was like when i was trying to find 
one and this lady was like, well, I just know that you're a really good person. And I go, how do you know that? We've been talking to each other for 20 minutes. I don't trust your sense of judgment. And then I was like, I told my friends to go, I can't go back to her. Like, she's obviously very weak. She thinks I'm a good person. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? You just yeah, give that out? Bitch, right. yeah. <laughs> so Amanda leaves the restaurant just as Tom has the this is why I love you montage. And finally, all of the foreshadowing pays off because Tom throws a paper airplane from a balcony and it soars into the open window of her cab. Wasn't it paper airplane stuff only in the script for this to happen? Yes. yes. <laughs> also, at any point, did he do the paper airplanes in front of Amanda? Because I thought he only did it in front of Lois. So I was like, I don't even think Amanda knows that this means something to him. No, she knows because she liked paper airplanes. Okay. They talked about it on oh, their the Bendel store. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was like, oh, that wingspan. I love it. He's <laughs> like, you like paper airplanes? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's not what she sounds like, but fine. I love paper airplanes, too. <laughs> Okay, cute. Let's wrap this up now. I'm pissed off. So she returns to the restaurant in a full Cinderella moment after stopping at the makeup and hair counter, obviously, and maybe even the local Deb. (laughs) She is glammed out in 1999 fashion. And Tom apologizes and confesses his love. And then they kiss and dance and begin to float as the screen goes to black and zooms in right on Gene O'Reilly conducting the band before the movie ends. It was a the shining moment. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was Gene. He was like, I've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, I do know I already said I would date a witch because of what they can do to you. But there is mm-hmm. a goddamn fucking difference. Because now they are floating in public. Yeah. You need to draw a line, honey. Because now I can assure you three minutes after this movie ended, that's why we don't have a sequel. And because it only made $4.4 yeah. million. But I'm sure they burned her at the stake. If you were in that restaurant... I would just lock the doors and burn the restaurant down. Two things happened right after this movie. Tell us. They burned her at the stake <laughs> and her mom's restaurant closed. Because <laughs> <laughs> nothing about her mom's restaurant got resolved. Not, Not a even thing. like a post-credit scene no. of her using her magic to flip yeah. pancakes around and serve them out to people. Yeah. In another 70 years, the crab is there, but he has a cane in his claw. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like... <laughs> Well, that's a perfect segue. Final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast in a reboot? Or what would the plot of a sequel be? I would love to see this movie made again. And I thought Pedro Pascal as the crab. I want the crab to have speaking parts. (laughs) And we know he does a great voice. (laughs) So I thought Pedro Pascal. And then um, for Amanda... I thought Zendaya because like she would be like sweaty, like trying to cook and like she would sell it that she was like really upset that this wasn't working. Uh And for the annoying girlfriend, because Amanda P, I felt also Donnie, like she was way too lovable. Like Mm. I was mad that Lois made fun of her for being too skinny. And then I was just like, no, I love her. Like what? She's not annoying to me. So then I was like, who is the most annoying actress right now? And I think that we should cast Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh! Um, <laughs> right off the ski slope. Exactly. <laughs> She'll just ski into the restaurant, knock someone over, and leave. <laughs> Please tell us what man you have, because I need to know the age okay. that ties 
Zendaya and Gwyneth Paltrow together. I looked up the ages of both of the actors, like <laughs> when they filmed this movie, and she was 22 and he was 36. Oh, my God. And I was like, of course. So then I was going to yeah. be sassy and make a joke that Zendaya could play the main character and then the same man could just play Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like, Hollywood won't care. Yeah, truly. <laughs> but then I thought, if uh, because I totally imagined Tom as just getting all of his wealth through inheritance. Yeah. And so I'm like, who's like a lovable uh, Nepo baby <laughs> in the business world? Like, who could play that? And I thought we could do Zac Efron or Dave Franco. Oh. Like, they're oh. both like charming. Yeah. yeah. And they could maybe bring a little more charm and not as much douchebaggery to the role. Love that. I love Dave Franco, but that's just because I hate James Franco and I like to pit brothers Same. against each other. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Because I have the James Franco, nobody talks about how he's like a literal creep. We all know it and nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's the weirdest thing. I know. Okay, I think let's do a sequel. Let's have the crab still alive and kicking. Because can I tell you in my world, I'm going to buy that crab. I'm going to immediately eat it because I'm from Maryland. So (laughs) I'm not going to reap any of the magic. I'm going to get the Old Bay and vinegar and it's going to be gone. But in my sequel... Lois and Tom are fucking because clearly that's all they wanted oh, yeah. to do this whole time. That's my sequel. Didn't cast it. Just need it to happen. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. It could probably make more money. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> On OnlyFans. We- <laughs> Just you eating the crab could make more money than this movie made. <laughs> Honestly, I could do a tutorial. That's like the one thing I can do oh. is eat a crab. Anyhow. Yeah. Teach me, go. please. So... I also did a sequel after Amanda angrily cooks a meal for Tom when she finds out he's been cheating on her all these years. He dies because (laughs) of her emotions in the food. Exactly. But then she turns to Nolan, who she realizes was there for her all along. Okay. And then what happens then? I don't know. Now kiss. He gets out those dolls. He's like, we do this? Like, he turns into Nell. Like, he doesn't know how to communicate. He wants to bang her, so he just smashes the dolls together. (laughs) So final, final thoughts. What about this movie aged well, and what aged like Blockbuster? I think... The actual story, I think, aged well. If you just, like, told someone this movie, it could be, like, everything, everywhere, all at once. It could be something really cool where you're, like, she has to grapple with her mom's skills not matching her skills, but wanting to, like, maintain her legacy and then finding her power and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It could be a bunch of stuff. So I think the actual, like, storyline aged pretty well. Like, there was nothing, like horribly misogynistic or anything in it there's nothing like that turned me off and i really like the actual story i think it's like a fun story yeah yeah i don't think anything age poorly yeah we <laughs> just find. literally for an hour did not say a single positive thing and now we're like it aged perfect we loved it because it was like a hallmark movie like even yeah, the plot yeah. kind of or whatever roger ebert said like a comedy of the 60s oh, don't you bring bob into this I do think it aged fine. Okay, the one thing, it truly really did annoy me that her entire goal of this movie was Mm. supposed to be to save her mom's restaurant and then she immediately is like, or now I want to be a famous chef in your restaurant. Like, that annoyed me. But also, Lois was body shaming (gasps) Amanda Peet's character. And I didn't like that. It was like, oh, this is how women, this is how they try to trick us into not liking each other. They wrote these little quips. Like, she has no reason to be competitive with her and she was like there's a thin woman in your office and you're like yeah. it was a nice and even yeah. nolan is like oh she has perfect hair like you could never have that hair mm. yeah i do think like 
I love this movie. This is going to get added into my Halloween lineup because it is that witchiness era. I'm going to watch it. This is like going to be one of my new favorites because I think it's so ridiculous and so stupid and so bonkers. And God damn, every time they cut to that little crab lurking from behind a book or under a table or on top of a shelf, I was cackling. I was like, why are you here? Are you magic? Are you going to talk? Are you you that little man with the top hat in the beginning? So many questions. And yet... I am delighted, tickled, enthralled. I love this movie. Well, this is a shock to my system, <laughs> but I'm glad you like that. I think this is the first Sarah Michelle Gellar feature you enjoyed, so I'll take it. I really liked it, Donnie. I love this movie. <laughs> she does not talk like that. Anyway, on that note, it's also been a pleasure, Katie, having you. So let everyone know where they can follow you, where they can find you. You can listen to my podcast, The Messy Show Podcast, um, and it's a lot of me cackling <laughs> like that and just uh, listening to people tell us crazy stuff and Chelsea was a wonderful guest on that uh, podcast you guys can find her episode um, and also you can find me on all the social media at Katie G Arroyo thank you thank you next week to celebrate Leighton Meester's birthday we're covering the 2004 Katie Helms rom-com first daughter <laughs> don't worry we'll explain the connection next week so tune into that and we will talk to you later love, love you like, like a sister, sister. bye, bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to I am the cute one a nostalgia podcast if you liked what you heard be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show you can follow me at real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok and if you want more of my personal brand of chaos check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you you later. later. Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.